If it's the first or the 15th, that can only mean one thing. Well, two, but we aren't cutting any checks. We are dropping knowledge, though, through the Lit Podcast, where law, innovation, and technology meet the culture. Get lit with us as we use our collective knowledge, brain power, and cultural capital for good. Hey, everybody. This is Tanya Evans. I'm Shantavia, y'all, and I'm here trying to finish Lizzo's Tiny Desk concert. And Tanya is catching me off guard as we try to do this here tonight, today. Let's do this. This is season one, episode four of the Lit Podcast, where law, innovation, and technology meet the culture. Yes, it does. And the number four. I love the number four. Ooh, now we have to talk about that someday because I'm very into numerology. I see 1111. I see triple fours and triple threes. I can't tell you what all that means. I just know I'm a child of God and super special. Girl, and I was about sure to that. say now, you know, in the church, we don't fool too much with the numbers, <laughs> but I do love the number four because I thought it represented like earth, wind, fire, and I don't know. Water. One other thing. That might earth, be winter. it. There that's, you go. that's probably it. But you know, as long as it is within the confines of what I learned in the church. Amen. <laughs> Which Amen. Hallelujah. I'm not going to tell y'all the last time I actually went to church, but <laughs> <laughs> I'm not trying to attract any evil spirits or energy over here. No, no. <laughs> I have my crystals. I have my uh, white candles. I'm not messing around. So Girl, you're safe with me. You're safe with me. some sage and everything else. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> so welcome to this episode, everybody. If you're not familiar with how we do things on the Lit Podcast, we have three segments. The first up is what's good. So this segment is where Shantavia and I reconnect with each other and you have the great fortune of actually listening in. We share what's going on in our lives. So Shantavia, what's good? What I'm excited about over the past couple of weeks. So I'm part of this documentary project and I don't know if you and I have talked about this yet because mm. it happened kind of quickly, but there's this documentary project that is not public yet. So I can't say a ton about it, but okay. it involves some of the things that I have some expertise in, like internet culture, meme culture, law, mm. <clears throat> that kind of stuff. And they sent me a preview of the trailer for the documentary. And when I tell you my skin is glistening, what it is like the physical manifestation of brown skin girl mm. by Beyonce. You know that song from the Lion yes. King Because I was so worried about that. I mean, I sound smart because, you know, I know what I'm talking about, <laughs> but I was so worried about how it's going to look. You know, if you, anybody who spends a lot of time on camera, you know. It is hard to get lighting right for black skin. Absolutely. I mean, either you're, you're ashy or <laughs> you're too light or you're too dark, your eyes red, there's something. But it is like perfect lighting. And I am so excited. And one of the things I'm talking about mm. in the documentary is this song, Old Town Road, which as of today, this is, you know, the middle of August 2019. It's on like week number 19 of the Hot 100, the Billboard chart. Yes. And that little boy is doing the darn thing. He's killing I it. I am just, oh my gosh. And I, I can't wait to share the documentary trailer so you guys can see where I'm connecting some of these dots, but bravo to one. I love it. I love it. I love it. And it's interesting what you said about the lighting, because it makes me think of how Ava DuVernay is so um, successful at lighting black skin oh, and yes. making it look exceptional. So uh, oh Queen Sugar gosh. immediately comes to mind. So I'm so glad that worked out. 
Girl, the shea butter is everywhere, <laughs> all over everything she does. But anyway, I could go on and on. What's going on with you? What's good? What's happening in your life? Oh, boy. So, you know, I love our podcast, but every now and then I head on over to the podcast of others. And so first, just at a broader level. <gasps> what? I know. Are you cheating on me? Bit, stepping out a little bit, oh, okay. but I love you more. I love you more. <laughs> <laughs> But over the weekend, right? It says, uh-huh. it says everybody in a relationship to the poor little girl sitting at home. <laughs> it didn't mean a thing. So I had this great conversation on Daily Tech on the Daily Tech News Show with Tom Merritt. It's a fantastic show that, as the name suggests, covers a, a, a wide range of topics. We happen to do a follow-up on something that I've talked about in previous episodes. And so if you're new or you want to have a second listen, go back to some of the previous episodes. But it's kind of, uh, we talked about Facebook and LibraCoin, but also Walmart is coming out with its own version of a coin. Uh, I talk about this as the corpo currency or corporate currency. And so it'll be interesting to see how that develops with other corporations. Um, And so we just had a good time really unpacking that and seeing what the future is. Uh, And there's a lot of media stuff. I did an interview for a a magazine that's going to hit soon. Not going to talk a lot about that and steal its thunder, but I'm so excited for you. And I'm glad that, that, that things are popping off for me too. And there's just so much that's going on that we're involved in. And um, so I appreciate you. And, and, and I'm glad that I had that Aww. too. You're what's good this week. You're what's good. Oh, that is so very sweet. <laughs> I am just like, you know, we've been knowing each other a long time. And it is just amazing to see it is. where things are happening and where things are going. And I just have to share this too, because you and I have... Like I said, we tweeted back and forth a little bit about some of this, but Mm. since we talked the last time, the other thing that, I mean, has nothing at all to do with me, but a story I've been following, something I'm really excited about Mm. is Centoya Brown getting out of jail on August, what day was that? When when did she get out of jail? It was like August 6th or 7th or August 7th. Oh, oh, last August 7th. Yeah. And I'm just so glad that she got out of jail. And if I can take a couple minutes and just talk about her and why, for people who may not be familiar with her story. So when she was 16 years old, she was being trafficked. She was a sex trafficking uh, victim. And she had been sold by her pimp to this 40-something-year-old man for $150. And in the course of like whatever happened when she was with this man, he she killed him. And she ended up, and this is when she was 16 years old, had a horrible upbringing. She uh, was tried as an adult, convicted, and sentenced to 51 years. And this was in like the early 2000s. And then maybe like a decade later, there was a documentary about her life on PBS. I saw it on PBS. I don't know actually where it came from. But I, I saw it on PBS. And the the name of the documentary, I'll drop the name of it in the show notes because I can't remember it. But it started to draw attention. People started paying attention to her mm-hmm. story after that. And so, like, all these celebrities and not just celebrities, but lots of people got interested in the story and started lobbying on her behalf. People like LeBron James, Rihanna, right. Snoop Dogg, you know, everybody's, uh, well, this new civil rights <laughs> activist, Mrs. Kim Kardashian. I knew it. I knew <laughs> And whatever the hell she's doing. Uh, Well, hey, she's getting results. So let me not do that. (laughs) But 
she Centoya Brown, because of all this renewed interest, she ended up getting released. She got a commutation from the governor mm. of Tennessee, got released August 7th. And so this woman like gets out of jail. Remember now she goes in at 16. She's coming out as a 30 right. year old woman. Going in at 16, never had a driver's license, never voted, probably didn't have a lot of experience with like the internet, cell phones and all that. Here she is now walking out of prison. She's got a book deal. There's a Netflix movie coming out about her life. And then, so here's the thing that's a little bit weird, Tanya. Did you see that she got married while she was in prison? (laughs) Well, well. Yes, honey. She got married over the phone. And- Listen to this. So you remember Pretty Ricky? They were little boys when I was out. So I, I mean, do you remember Pretty Ricky though? I do. I do. Yeah. So the guy she married is now a Christian. He calls himself like a Christian rapper, but he was a member of Pretty Ricky. And I don't know what you remember about Pretty Ricky, but it wasn't a whole lot of saved, (laughs) sanctified, (laughs) anything coming out of Pretty Ricky. But apparently now this man is a Christian rapper and he got married to Centoya Brown over the phone. But I'm I'm a little nervous for Centoya because this Christian rapper has an ex-wife. Her, you remember Total. So this is all these like pop culture references. His ex-wife is Pam wow. from Total. Look at that. Look at the 90s coming through. Yeah. Yeah. So the 90s are everywhere, honey. But so Centoya Brown, like she came out, Pam came out saying prayers to Centoya Brown because that man is manipulative. He's diabolical. He's probably just out oh to goodness. get some fame and fortune. So I am praying for Centoya Brown. And hoping for the best because that sounds like it could be a little bit of a shaky situation. But I wish well, I had nothing but the best. Here's to second chapters, right? Second chapters and second chances, I should say. Yeah. So let's talk about that a little bit, actually. Second chapters for people when they're released from prison. So there are more people in America, twice as many people on probation or parole as there are in prison. That's like one in every 55 adults Mm. is on probation or parole. And that's, Mm. to me, insane that we are putting people in these systems and probation and parole. Now, at least the way the legal system is currently set up, there's so many little traps you can get into in probation and parole where you go right back to prison. So I just wish the best for Centoya. I wish the best for all these men and women who are coming out of prison mm-hmm. on probation and parole and still being mm-hmm. you know, subjected to all these things. I mean, our legal system needs some kind of overhaul to you know, really get people back into society in a way that's meaningful. Right, right. All right. Thanks for dropping that knowledge for sure. All right. The next segment that we have is what's got you lit. Now, this could go one of two ways, folks. And I'm not sure what Shantabi is going to say today. So you have to watch her. I'm light and love, but she'll you can catch these hands with, with, with Shantabia. So what's got you lit could be really, really great and exciting or she could be really ticked off. We don't know. We don't know. On the 1st and the 15th, we'll have to see. But it's time to dig into what's got us lit in this episode. <laughs> and so, Chantavia, I'm going to move back a little bit to see what mood she's in right now. <laughs> what's got you lit? I have a couple of things, but what's got you lit? Well, my friend, here I am today in August 2019. Oh, no. Yet oh, again. No. I was hoping. Off. I had high hopes for <laughs> August. <laughs> it... 
girl, well, pissed off and also a little bit hopeful because of people who you and I both know who are fighting the good fight for civil yes. rights and anti-discrimination. But so I don't know if you saw this story, Tanya. This was a couple weeks ago. This is in August. It's first couple weeks of school. There's this school in um, Georgia, in DeKalb County, Georgia, outside of Atlanta, so northeast kind of suburbs of Atlanta, if you will. And for those of you who don't know, I used to live in Atlanta for several years and kind of grew up on the Georgia-South Carolina border. But so there's this elementary school, first couple of days of school, posted a picture at the entrance of the school that depicted appropriate and inappropriate hairstyles. And the pictures of the inappropriate hairstyles are all pictures of black kids. Granted, this is a predominantly black school, but still. Mm-hmm. All pictures of black kids with, you know, like hairstyles that are natural hairstyles, that have right. braids, that are, you know, the boys might have some designs in their hair, whatever. Mm-hmm. And I just couldn't believe, number one, that this, somebody in the school thought this was an appropriate photo to post, number right. one. Then in an elementary school in the first couple of days of school. Did you see this? No, I didn't see it. Yeah, so the po- so somebody took a picture of this photo, a parent or something, posted it on social media, and it went viral. And there was a lot of discussion afterward about bias, about discrimination of natural hairstyles. And it really got me thinking about the work that's happening in some states. So California... New York are the two states in the United States that have prohibited racial discrimination on the basis of hair texture. Mm -hmm. And that just happened recently. Like this is in the past like year or so. And as I think about just like the way in which black people and the way that we exist in in the United States is legislated and criminalized. I just, my heart breaks for people who are in these positions where they're being discriminated based on the way hair comes out of their heads. Mm -hmm. And I'm one of those folks for the past 10 or 11, well, actually probably more like 15 years, I've had natural hair. Mm -hmm. Some styles probably are considered less appropriate because I wear my afros, (laughs) I wear my this, I wear my that. And I'm just so grateful for people out there who are advocating on behalf of anti-discrimination on the basis of natural hair. In fact, a friend of the podcast, you know, we should have her on the podcast, Wendy Green. Oh, definitely. Dr. Wendy Green. Yes, Yes, we must. Oh, my gosh. Professor Wendy Green at Washington and Lee University has been writing about natural hair, speaking on Capitol Hill, speaking before state legislatures about discrimination and grooming codes. And she's got, I think she's actually got a book coming out on the topic. We should have her back on. Definitely. We should have her on for the first time when her book comes out. So anyway, that's one thing that's got me lit the way in which we're using laws to fight back against anti-discrimination on the basis of hair love it love it excellent excellent yeah well i'm gonna so what about you what's got you lit so uh, this week or since uh the last time we connected i've looked at a couple of different things on the innovation and technology side so one thing that's got me lit um definitely interested I'm neither hot nor cold about it, but it it definitely has piqued the interest not only of me, but people in the crypto and blockchain community that the security, the United States Securities and Exchange Commission, the SEC, is planning to run um, a a Bitcoin node or actually not just on the Bitcoin blockchain, but a number of different nodes on the Bitcoin blockchain, Ethereum, 
Bitcoin Cash, Stellar, Zcash, which is a privacy coin, EOS, NEO, and XRP. Now, if this is the first time you're listening and you're not familiar with blockchain, there are some previous episodes that take uh, a deep dive. I'll put some uh, links in the show notes to help you out with that as well. But for those who are a little more familiar in the area, um, the Bitcoin blockchain crypto communities are looking at this with a mad side eye (laughs) because the Bitcoin blockchain has been around for 10 years and um, the SEC, IRS, CFTC, uh, legislative bodies said that crypto didn't exist and it would go away. But evidently it exists and it's not going away. And um, case in point is the fact that federal agencies like the SEC are now not wanting to stay on the sidelines, but actually mm-hmm. participate in uh, node activity. What nodes do, long story short, is to basically secure a decentralized network. So they're a critical part of blockchain infrastructure. And and for a public and permissionless blockchain, anyone or any entity could actually run a full version of the software and therefore make their computer a node. So I find it very curious and very interesting. There's uh, there was a, uh, a request or an RFP that went out for contractors in this space to act on behalf of the SEC to run nodes. So there's no real concrete reason as to why they need to run their own node. And so I suspect it's really just enhancing their ability to monitor and to assess risk, uh, to improve compliance and inform the commission on the policy with respect to uh, digital assets in general, crypto assets in particular. So that's definitely uh, on my radar. And, so, so yeah. do you think that'll lead to like more regulation, better regulation, more harmful regulation in the crypto space, or is this just like, hey, we would just want to see what's going on? What's the real reason? I think you know, to a hammer, everything looks like a nail, <laughs> and so from the SEC's perspective. Um, And I'm certainly not speaking on behalf of the SEC, but in my blockchain cryptocurrency and law online certificate program, I did have um, the uh, one of the commissioners of the SEC that came to speak to the um, came to speak to my class. And so from her perspective, she's known as the uh, crypto mom, Hester Purse, and she advocates really sensible sensible regulation, but she's in in the minority. So anytime there's a regulatory agency, particularly, particularly in the United States, that wants to kick the tires, they don't do so in a vacuum. So it's a really good question to figure out what the SEC is doing and what their intentions are. At a bare minimum, they want to learn more about what it is um, and how it functions. And so I can't say if it's good, bad, or otherwise time will tell, but I know that we'll see a healthy dose of enforcement actions in the space, not just, um, regulatory guidance, but I, I feel like the hammer is going to come speaking of hammer, uh, in the Mm -hmm. future, but I think they are really trying to assess and figure out how to participate, uh, in a typical node for a typical permissionless blockchain. So time will tell, we shall see. Cool. Well, I look forward to finding out and figuring out if I need to hide my Bitcoin <laughs> or what actually I need to do here. <laughs> yes. Now, this is not financial advice, but you know how I feel about it. To the moon with Bitcoin. Yes, ma'am. Um, so we shall see. And the other thing that's going on, and you may have seen this, tell me if you have, about this new Senate bill 
about social social media usage. Um, and I call flag on the play with this one, Senator Josh Hawley. He, um, <laughs> there's this great caption on Vox for this article. It says, Senator Josh, Josh uh, Hawley is not interested in making friends with Facebook, YouTube, or Twitter. Um, so <laughs> he already, you know, lost me on that one. He lost me on, on, on the Twitters. But Senator Josh Hawley, uh, Republican from Missouri, uh, he evidently has had a long history with his war on big tech. And his latest target uh, is basically how social media works. Social media networks, the more you engage, the better it is. At, at least that's the theory. Um, and so he's unveiled this social media addiction reduction technology act, also known as the smart act. And I hope you guys can hear me rolling my eyes because this is all the, I'm trying not to curse, but it is all of the curse words I can think of, particularly because he is the youngest member of Congress. He's 39. Really? And he has staked out this position as like anti-tech when mm. really there's a good opportunity with all these things, like what we were just talking about with, with Bitcoin and crypto and everything else. He could really help inform his colleagues about all of these things. But instead, right. he's suggesting these stupid things that will not solve the problem and only really serve to fan the flames of dissension among lots of people. Like right. one of the things within the bill, if I remember correctly, is to limit people use on any platform to 30 minutes a day right who does that where is that gonna work i i just don't see how any of this is realistic right no part of that works for anyone is it for children i mean i could see maybe if i mean i can't technically see for children but let's say that maybe 30 minutes a day and studies had shown that it had this deleterious impact on young minds right but for grown fill in the blank people i don't understand i don't understand I just think it is heavy handed in all the wrong ways and will not go anywhere. He's just wasting people's time, money right. and patience, frankly, right. with this. So that one makes me mad. So there, there, there's the first one that made me mad. Welcome this, to uh, the dark side. <laughs> it was only Come a on of over time. here with me in my agitated state. <laughs> yeah. The final thing that I will say about that is um, something I found interesting and maybe we could tease it out a little bit uh, because he had multiple bills on various issues, data tracking, children's online privacy and data monetization. And we should definitely talk about that more in a future episode because this idea of data monetization is interesting. You know, data is the new oil and we give everything away for free 99 and we can see how uh, Facebook has come under scrutiny because of the way it's used. And, and Facebook is the most glaring example, but certainly not the only one when we think of you know, the, uh, everything that went on in, in politics and selling of data. Uh, I also think of things like 23andMe and all of the uh, DNA services where you pay a little bit of money, you find something out, but they have privatized your information and are selling it for way more. And so um, interestingly, I use, have you ever heard of the internet browser Brave? No, what's this? So I use Brave most often and Brave is connected to the crypto community because it has a token called the basic attention token or BAT. And you can actually earn BAT by using Brave and opting into, you know, 
allowing, opting your eyeballs into viewing certain things. And the more you click, the more you earn. And then in turn, after earning that, you can actually tip people in various social media outlets. So I mentioned uh, Daily Tech News, for example. They've opted into the program, and I was able to tip them in bat. And wow, really? So- Girl, let me download, <laughs> let me hold on now. Let me Google this real quick so yes. I can get on this train. Huh, okay. Absolutely. The way they describe it is um, your attention is valuable. So, and, and shout out to Brave holler at us because we are looking for sponsors and advertisers. We'd love to talk more about it. (laughs) But um, your attention is valuable. So you earn by viewing privacy respecting ads and actually blocks a lot of uh, traffic as well. So take a look at Brave. It's my preferred browser for privacy considerations. And in addition to that, I love that it's connected to the crypto community. That's really cool. I had never heard of that, but I am taking some notes so I can go make some crypto myself and you know, quit my day job. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. Whoever's listening to my day job, I need this one. I but love let me, it. Let me just say real, one more thing about Senator. What's his name? Hockey, Holly, Hammy, whichever <laughs> it was. Yes. No. So like some of the things that the things he's concerned about are legitimate to your point that you just made about data monetization, online privacy and regulation of tech. All those things need to happen. Right. But we cannot start, you know, where one side of the argument is on Mars and the other side is on Neptune. Like we have to be able to get closer to the middle so that there's real regulation. Right. And it needs to happen. But this ain't it. Right. It's not even close to it. So, no, there's no. nowhere near it. It is in um, <laughs> it's somewhere else. It is like it is on Pluto, which ain't even a planet anymore. <laughs> Look at you staying up on your uh, astrological situation. <laughs> All right, so we have made it to our final segment. This is the action item. So we talk about leveling up so that you can make your fire work, right? And Every time we deal in this segment, Shantavia is going to give some advice either based on what she shared uh, or something else uh, that she can suggest to take you to your next level. And I'll do the same. So what do you think in this segment? You know, who I'm thinking a lot about right now are content creators and creatives, people who are out there developing things, whether it's music, apps, writing, blogs, vlogs, whatever it is, videos on TikTok, whatever they're creating. And I am very passionate about showing people, exposing people to the ways that they can protect, leverage, and if they want to monetize their content. Because we live in this digital society where there's, you know, there's a lot of bad information out there. And there's a lot of information that can be very, very expensive and still not get you the results you need. And I'm thinking about them because there's this news story in the in the that I read about on TMZ a couple days ago about the song Chopper Style. If y'all don't know it, I, I lived in New Orleans too for a little while. I mentioned Atlanta earlier, but lived in New Orleans for a while. Chopper Style is like, you know, a song that is very locally famous and it got some good national press like 15 or 20 years ago. Mm. But at any rate, the person who created that track for Chopper Style is suing over what he calls, you know, infringing use, illegal use of his music. 
He's suing Cardi B and the City Girls. He's suing this rapper named Choppa. He's suing Master P, a lot of people, for uses that took place over the past 20 years. And what happened in that instance is he created the original track. And then at some point, what he alleges is a record label, instead of paying him his money, just hired somebody else to recreate the same music. Mm -hmm. And a good copyright strategy makes this case pretty easy. If I have created something, what the law allows is for me to be compensated, and not just compensated, but for me to have control over what happens with that work. And I just hope that you know, content creators are out there thinking about that. So one of the things I'd like my content creators and creatives to do is look at your whole body of work and things you've created. Make a whole, like, we call it an audit in the the legal world. But look at all the things you've created. Make a list of them. Figure out if these are things you could sell, license, uh, uh, monetize in some way. And then think about copywriting those things. We'll talk about copyright law pretty soon. But if you go to copyright.gov, a lot of this stuff is relatively self-explanatory and it really only costs $35 for the most fundamental basic copyright registrations. And it may be worth considering for those of you out there doing a lot of content creation. So anyway, that's what I want you all to think about. What about you, Tanya? What kind of things can folks take away this week? So I'm focused on this idea of lifelong learning, and we've talked about it before. We will continue to talk about it because, just as you mentioned, part of having an IP strategy, conducting an audit, maybe you actually don't have those skills at this moment. So you have to learn something new all the time in order to remain relevant and focused and positive, uh, to not just exist, um, not just survive, but to thrive. And so to that end, I think about, uh, I was at a a leadership summit recently, and they were talking about educating working professionals. And they gave some great insight into six different reasons why you may want to engage in some type of um, continuing education, whatever that means for your particular skill, skill set, job, career. The first one was upskilling in place. So this means you need new skills, but you intend to stay in the current job that you have. And the value there is typically from the skills that are learned quickly. And you don't need to necessarily expertize yourself, but you want to, again, upskill to increase your your value where you are. The next is you might be seeking a promotion. So you're not just staying at the same level and reskilling, but now you're seeking a promotion within that space as well. And so you need to build new skills for the next step, not just for where you are. The third is facing replacement. um, Maybe your career doesn't exist anymore, or you can see the writing on the wall. One that immediately sticks out is the trucking industry, for example. When I think of autonomous vehicles, in the not too distant future, uh, they're going to take over the roads. And mm. so the trucking industry will s- severely be compromised. So what do you do now to prepare yourself for what happens? So that's completely retraining in a different area. I highly recommend coding. And that's a, a story for another day. Returning to the workforce is number four. So maybe you haven't worked in a long time and you need to refresh skills or figure out uh, perhaps a new direction. But more often than not, this is returning to your area of expertise or your existing skills and knowing that you need to update them. 
then there's preparing for a switch. Now you just want a better job. <laughs> and so mm-hmm. you're trying to figure out what type of skill sets and education and expertise do you need in order to create a pathway to a better job in a completely different um, area. And then finally, and I love this part, is pursuing a passion. So anything that might be a side hustle that you want to make your main hustle, then mm-hmm. that means you're looking for a career with meaning that provides a purpose. And that is a slightly different educational uh, underpinning there. So the skills that you learn in that environment are going to matter most. Um you know, you're going to have the entry level skills, but what is the thing that really makes your firework and really gets you up at night? And the thing that you would do if nobody paid you, although clearly we want people to pay us and pay us handsomely. And so <laughs> those are the six areas there. And so what I want you to do um, with your time now and how I want you to level up is to really get clear about what your next move is going to be. Are you an intrapreneur and you plan on upskilling Do you plan on making a power move within your existing organization? Do you want to go out on your own? Are you facing replacement? Figure out which one um, fits your current situation and then be about the business of figuring out what education you need to tap into in order to to make that move. You know what this reminds me of, Tanya? Hmm. Our South by Southwest and South by Southwest EDU pitches that we have out there. (laughs) Talk about it. Because one of them is about this very thing about lifelong learning. So for those of you who are unfamiliar, South by or familiar, South by Southwest is this huge interactive film and tech and innovation festival in Austin, Texas every March. And it is a place for people who are lifelong learners to come and learn all kinds of new things. And there are hundreds of speakers who come for a week or two and just walk through so, so many different things. And Tanya and I have proposed, what, six different six different panels, six different topics yes. to uh, talk about at both South by Southwest, which is kind of like the main event, and then the week before, which is something that's pretty new, is South by Southwest EDU, which is for educators specifically. And one of our primary new panel pitches is about these lifelong learners and what we can do to educate them. But the way this works with South by Southwest is not everybody gets (laughs) in the door. In fact, most people on the outside knocking, trying to get in. And the way in which you can be an invited panelist or speaker at South by is it's a two step process. The first step requires votes. And we would love for all of our <laughs> listeners to go vote for our South by Southwest ED, South by Southwest and EDU panels. We'll have a link up on our website at litbraintrust.com slash SXSW. You'll find it from the homepage. And we'd love, love, love for you to vote for us. We've got six different panels. And it's a lot for us to run down all six right now. But if you go to our website, you can find all the information to go vote. But we do have these six panels. Tanya, should I talk about the list? Should I just name them? Let's name them. And then we definitely want you to head to the website for all of the details. And if you don't have time for all the details, go to the website and just start clicking. We're going to have quick links at the top, um, but the deeper dive. So why don't you tell them the the topics that we're covering? I mean, the the, uh, titles. Okay, sure. I will pull that list up. Okay. okay. I didn't want to steal your thunder, it. my dear. No, baby, you got the thunder. Go right ahead. All right. So the six that we have, one is going global, worldwide education. That's the South by EDU 
um, link, then Elect Tech 2020. And it talks about the influence and impact that tech has on influencing elections for the most unlikely of people to win. Third, I'm a business man, <laughs> right? <laughs> How to expertize yourself. Fourth is a really fantastic one. Tweeting while black, you in danger, girl. And we're actually doing that <laughs> with Tressie McMillan Cottom and Carlos Chapman. And that's a fantastic uh, panel as well. And then a final topic pitched both on the South by Southwest side and South by EDU is who will lead us. And it talks about what uh, it looks like for moving forward, uh, the next steps and what that looks like and who will be empowered to move forward. So those are some fantastic ideas. We absolutely need your help. It takes just a minute to set up and and vote and click on the links. And uh, we appreciate in advance your support. All right. Yes, we do. Amen. Thank you for that lovely rendition of our six <laughs> panels as I was not prepared to. I love it. it. That's what I love about you. <laughs> Impromptu. Did we say that the deadline is August 23rd? So you got to go vote before August 23rd. Yes. And we would love for you to go do that and tell a friend. In yep. fact. <laughs> and again, litbraintrust.com slash SXSW will also have a link from the homepage. All right. We are at the close of yet another, wow, another episode of the Lit Podcast. We thank you all for rolling with us. We thank you for engaging with us. You know, we love the Twitters and we see you there. Thank you for using our hashtag. If you have a question, you could either post it at hashtag AskLit or send us an email at ask at litbraintrust.com. Now, this is really important. Listen closely. If you love us and... I don't know why you wouldn't. There's so much to love. Please tell the world. So, <laughs> so much, much to love. love. Please tell the world. Please uh, make sure that you are liking the episodes and that you are commenting and that you're sharing. If something's not quite right, and Lord knows that could be the case, definitely tell us. Hit our contact page at litbraintrust.com and follow, like, share, rate, comment, engage with us on Twitter. We're litbraintrust everywhere you go. Uh, SJ, you want to leave them with any final thoughts? I sure do. I'd love to say a couple of things. No, I'm kidding. Oh, <laughs> no, thank God. <laughs> we appreciate everybody who's listening and commenting. That's all we got for y'all t- today. And we look forward to hitting you back on the first of the month. Hopefully that's payday for you and me. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> we'll have a lot of new things to talk about, but that's it. That's what we have for you. Excellent. All right. Hashtag so very Bye, lit. Bye, y'all. The Lit Podcast is produced by Stephanie Renee for Soul Sanctuary Incorporated.